Well, good morning, church. I know I am preaching from one of the most beloved passages of Scripture. That's a joke. Uh, But I am reading from uh, the end of 1 Corinthians, and I believe that God has a word for us from these verses in the very last chapter, uh, beginning at 13 and then skipping over to 21. Keep alert, stand firm in your faith, be courageous, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Let anyone be accursed who has no love for the Lord. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with all of you in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, here we are in the midst of the 50 days of the Easter season, and we are drawing very close now to Pentecost Sunday. And in that time, after Jesus is resurrected and ascended, Jesus says to his disciples, you must wait. Wait there in Jerusalem. Wait there together in prayer, in fellowship. Wait there for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, the people at the time, they didn't know what that meant. What is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? They didn't know, but they did know that Jesus had commanded them to wait. And so they waited. Paul, this apostle, writes this letter to the church at Corinth, knows something about waiting. Now, if you think about it, he is the apostle to the Gentiles. He's a missionary traveling around the world. He spends a lot of times on ships or, I don't know, in some kind of horse-pulled cart or whatever, traveling from place to place. It's a long time to get to his destination. He has to wait. Uh, I just came back last week from Hawaii, and I know what it is to have to wait when you're traveling. Paul has to wait. When he writes a letter to one of his churches, it gets sent and taken there by someone, and when uh, he has to then wait for a response from them for a long period of time. I had to wait for the child to leave. (laughs) Paul knows a lot about waiting. He spends a lot of time in prison waiting to be released, longing to see uh, the people in his churches. Paul knows a lot about what it is to wait, the very fact that he has agreed to be an apostle of Jesus Christ means he has to live a life in which he spends time waiting. Now, I think that Paul is pointing in this part of 1 Corinthians to this very idea of what it means to wait if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give you a very short Greek lesson. Because in the original Greek, when uh, they would write out their letters, they'd have their piece of papyrus, you know, their little um, piece of smashed out pulpy bark, Right? They couldn't go over to uh, Office Depot and buy a ream of paper to write on. 
And so these were very precious resources. And in the ancient Greek, when Paul would write these letters, he did not put in punctuation. He did not put in paragraphs. The headings that we see in the Bible were not put in by the original writers. We put in later. It was simply one letter after another. And then the person who was reading it knew where the punctuation should fall. But we today, we don't know always exactly where Paul would have intended there to be punctuation. So here in this last chapter, when Paul says uh, what we translate, our Lord come, the phrase there is maranatha. And it can be translated in two different ways. It can be translated as maranatha, which means our Lord has come. Or it can be translated as Maranatha, our Lord, come. In other words, this one phrase points to the past, to the work that Jesus Christ has already done on our behalf, and it points to the future and our anticipated return of Jesus in all his glory to complete what has been begun And we, as Christians, we live in this space in between these two times. We live between what Christ has done and when Christ will return. And in this time of waiting, there is a particular connection to our spiritual life. Paul would even tell us that waiting is what often energizes our spiritual life, our life in God. To wait is to have faith. To wait is to look for the Spirit. To wait is to know that God is at work. Now, when we look at the natural world in which we live, we can see that God has built waiting into the very fabric of creation. Take, for example, parents who are expecting a child. Those parents are praying that that child will come to full term, that it will take nine months to be, uh, for the child to be born. Why? Because God has created us to spend nine months in the womb before we're ready to enter the world. There are many ways in which waiting is built into the way we live. Uh, If you are a gardener, unless you want to make up some fried green tomatoes, you better wait till that tomato is ready to pluck. You can't go, come on, tomato, hurry it up. Well, you can, but it isn't going to make a difference. We have to wait on that time. And then again, uh, there is that great uh, philosopher, Diana Ross, who tells us you can't hurry love. You can try and force someone to love you, but it isn't going to work. Love also grows and deepens over time the more we stay on that path and in relationship to that person. And if we substitute the fact that God is love, you can't hurry God. 
God is going to act in God's time. And we are commanded to wait on God's time. The very nature of creation builds in this idea that we are supposed to wait, and waiting is good. Now, the second thing I want you to pay attention to is that this Bible, our scriptures, from beginning to end, it's a book about waiting. It's a book about waiting. Look at Genesis. God gives Abraham the promise, and then what does Abraham have to do? Wait for the fulfillment. Look at the book of Revelation. It is this call to the people to hold on in the tough times, in the worst possible situation. Wait for God to act. The psalmist says, how long, O Lord, how long? I'm waiting on you. And the prophet Isaiah says, those who wait on the Lord will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Bible is a book that tells us that our lives in Christ require us to wait. And one of the real problems is that too often we don't want to wait for God to act. Well, God's not answered my prayer in the past four hours. I better take care of this. And we know what happens when we try to exert our own will instead of waiting for God. It doesn't work out very well. Same is true of all those folks in the Bible. We have to learn to wait on God and to look for the movement of the Spirit. And so this week, as we are approaching Pentecost, and that time of uh, the outpouring of the Spirit, because those disciples were willing to wait and not go, I've had enough of this, bye-bye. They waited. I want to encourage all of us to focus on this discipline of waiting, to see waiting as that which really connects us to the Spirit and deepens our spiritual lives. So that when we are in a line waiting, instead of pulling out our phone and doing our Facebook or whatever, we wait and listen and watch. Or if we're really busy and running to and fro and got so many things to do, we will pause and say, Come, Lord Jesus, and breathe. Or if we have this impulse to buy something that we didn't plan on buying, that we'll go, wait, and walk away until another day. Because the more we are able to wait, to allow ourselves to wait for the movement of the Spirit, to wait to hear from God, to wait to move in the direction that God would have us go. The deeper our spirit and the deeper the love within us. And so, people of God, we are called to wait. With Paul, we say, Maran Atha. Our Lord has come. And we cry, Marana, 
Ta-da! Our Lord, come. And in between, we wait. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.